fact is you have more for each of us to experience in Jesus Christ than we yet know. No matter where we are in our spiritual journey, there's more for us. And so we choose right now to be discontent with our current spiritual state. And we make a choice right now to follow you into new places, into better places. We have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. We want more of you, Lord. Thank you for this time to worship, a time to gather and be Christ to each other. Lord, we're about to listen to your word, and we make a choice to open our lives to your truth. And we ask that uh, you would encounter us through the preaching of your word today. Lord, some of us need comforted desperately. Some of us need hope desperately. Some of us need corrected desperately. So wherever we are, Lord, you know us intimately. You know the number of hairs on our head. You know exactly what's going on in our lives. And so we ask to you, speak to us today, Lord, through your servant Isaac. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So today, we have the privilege of uh, hearing God's word through uh, his servant Isaac Owen. Super excited. Isaac is, uh, fi- has finished up his Bible college, and he's now started his Master of Divinity program. And he feels a call of God on his life uh, for ministry, and so uh, super excited to um, just benefit from, from your heart. Uh, Isaac, I've walked with Isaac now for a while, and uh, this is a guy who loves the Lord. He loves his word. And uh, whenever, uh, and he challenges me, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so Isaac has asked me to uh, read the biblical text in advance of him coming up uh, to preach. And so if you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts chapter 17. This is the story of Paul in Athens uh, presenting the gospel to a very Christless culture. Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, He seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know therefore what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who live there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. And now our memory verse. The God who made the world and everything in it, Being Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind 
to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. And now this month's memory verse, which, by the way, is uh, in nicely laminated cards on the ends of your rows, so you can get a head start. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for indeed we are his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Am I on? Awesome. Good morning. I'm excited to uh, be delivering God's word to you this morning. It's a great privilege. So, 1962, the United States Supreme Court makes the decision to remove corporate prayer from our public schools. One year later, in 1963, they make a decision to remove any biblical text or scripture verses from public school curriculum. It was these decisions that really laid a foundation for the spiritual and moral direction our nation for the next 50 years until until now. Uh, 1973, Roe versus Wade. Uh, abortion is legalized. Millions upon millions of unborn lives taken in the name of convenience. And most recently, of course, we all know a same-sex marriage legalized. And, and even more beyond that, uh, really glorified in our society. And all these things... Um, in opposition to what we believe and follow as Christians. So why do I point these things out? We're not here to debate whether or not we live in a post-Christian society. We do. So the question we ask ourselves is, what is our response? What is our reaction? And there's a few uh, different things I see Christians doing in response to the direction of the world today. The first that I see a lot I see a lot on Facebook. Christians are angry. They're upset. And they say things, they, they read threads, and they say things that uh, they might never say to a person's face. But they're, they're frazzled. You know, society has betrayed me. How could this be? But that doesn't gain us an audience for Christ, does it? Another response I see is the opposite. Christians are apathetic. The world's going to go the way the world's going to go. Why should I care? Why does it matter? Why should I invest in it when it's just going to end up sinning and not following Christ anyway? And guys, I have to tell you, I've felt both of these in my own life. 
know, I turn on the news and I see what's going on. I see the suffering and the pain and the sin. It hurts. And I'm upset. And I think, man, why? And at the same time, sometimes I feel like, why do I even try? They're just going to go on sinning anyway. So in today's text, I love it. We see an example given by Paul of a better way. And that way is compassionate engagement to the gospel of Christ. So there's three insights that I want us to glean from today's text about what Paul does when he's confronted with possibly a society that is even more Christless than our own today. So I want us to look at what he does and take three things. So the first insight that I want us to to glean today. How can we share Christ better with a culture that is more and more in opposition to Him? Let your heart be moved into action. Look in verse 16. It reads, Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. Paul enters into Athens and we read, His spirit is provoked. He's distressed at the spiritual condition of the city. So we ask, why was Paul provoked? Why was Paul provoked? Why was he upset or or distressed? His heart hurt when he saw the conditions. I want to give you a couple reasons why he may have been uh, provoked. One, because a city full of idols is a city full of lost souls. And it distressed Paul. The second reason he would have been distressed is because God was not getting the glory he deserved. And so we ask, and I want to ask us this morning, is our spirit provoked when we see a city given over to idols? When we see lost souls, when we see that our God is not getting the glory that is due him. Is it? So Paul, Paul's distressed and what is his reaction? Is he angry? Does he take it personally? As many Christians do. Does he, well, they're going to do their thing. There's nothing I can really do to stop them. No. His heart for the lost and for God's glory, moves him into action. Paul's heart moved him to action. It says in verse 17, so he reasoned with them in the synagogue, in the marketplace, with the Jews, with the devout persons, with the Epicureans, with the Stoics, with anyone he could gain an audience with, working his way all the way up to the Areopagus, we read, which was an amphitheater in the center of the city. Whoever would listen, he would share Christ with. Is that our heart? Whoever will listen to me, I will share Christ with. With my coworkers, with my friends, with my family. Where there are unsaved, I will be sharing Christ. This is Paul's heart, and this should be our heart today. And I want to note, looking back in verse 16, notice the urgency of Paul's message. It says, while he was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him. And so he went to work. He went to reasoning 
in the marketplace, in the synagogue, everywhere he could. Who was he waiting for? Well, if we read in verse 15 and go back, we see that he had left his, his companions in ministry back in Berea to continue the ministry there. So he's waiting for Timothy and Silas. But when he comes into Athens and he sees the spiritual conditions, he can't wait any longer. There was an urgency to Paul's message. We need to share that urgency today. The gospel is too important to sit on when there are lost souls that are going the wrong way. We all know someone who is unsaved, who doesn't know the saving message of Christ, a coworker, a friend, a family member. I want us to take, you know, I, 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 will, I feel led to stop just for a moment. So I want us to take just a minute. Pray for that person. And while you're thinking about that person, I also pray for your own heart. God, would you break my heart for the lost? Would you move my heart into action? Let's take just a minute and do that now. Lord, we lift up lost around us. We pray that you would soften their hearts to the message of grace that is the gospel. Bring them into a saving relationship with your son, Jesus. And God, we pray that you would use us. Amen. Amen. The second insight I want us to take from our text today, how can we communicate Christ better with a Christless culture? Stay on message. That's the second insight. There's an old movie that some of you guys may have seen. Some of you may have seen it. It's called Star Wars. So, <laughs> at the end of the first Star Wars movie, when the Rebel Alliance, they're making their run on the Death Star to destroy it and save the galaxy from evil. The first Rebel Alliance fighter in his X-Wing, he flies in to make his run on the little tiny, you know, porthole or whatever it is that he needs to fire in to destroy the Death Star. And there's a voice that comes over his communication link, and it says, he's flying in, stay on target, stay on target. And you may remember, if you've seen it, you may know what I'm talking about. And so, this voice, stay on target. Oh, I can't. There's a TIE fighter on me. I, you know, the TIE fighter is shooting at him. He gets distracted. And because he's distracted, he can't complete his mission. And uh, he ends up getting blown up by a TIE fighter. <laughs> Luke, Luke comes in. Our, our hero, stay on target. Stay on target. He comes in. He stays on target. He is laser focused on the mission at hand. He's able to zero in on what, uh, what the goal is. And we all know, fires, straight, missiles go, 
Death Star destroyed. Galaxy saved. So why do I tell you this? Some of you guys are like, man, Isaac, you need to stay on message. Talking about Star Wars. Stay on message. What is our message? The gospel. Paul was a masterful communicator. If Paul was around today, he would probably hold multiple PhDs. He received education and training at the highest level. He could have debated philosophy and ethics and morality and whatever else all around these guys. But Paul had a single-minded focus. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Advancing God's kingdom through the gospel. Going into all the world and sharing the good news. Paul knew that ultimately any reform, any change that's going to happen, isn't going to happen because he eloquently debates ethics, morality, not that those things aren't important. We are called to live righteously, but real heart change, change in morality, change in ethics. Those things can only occur when a soul is surrendered at the foot of the cross. And Paul knew that. So Paul's mission, his target, the gospel, stay on message, stay on target. He expresses this in one of my my favorite passages in Scripture. And I love the way that it's translated in the NIV. In Acts 20, verse 24, Paul says this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, love it, is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Let that be our only aim. I want to be able to say the same for myself. My only aim, my single-minded focus, is to share Christ with the world around me. We, We sang that earlier. I love that song. There's power in blood. There's power to change in the blood. Paul saw that. And he knew the world wasn't going to change outside of coming to Christ. We must go. Third insight I want us to take. It's going to help us better share Christ with a Christless culture. That is our calling. Sharing Christ with a world that is in increasing opposition to him. How do we stand? Do not allow the rejection of the many to eclipse the acceptance of the few. Paul nailed it in his message. It was concise, clear. It was simply the gospel message. From creation to the cross, the Lord of heaven and earth, he created you. You are separated from Him. You cannot serve Him. He's not served by human hands. But He is not far from each one of us. He's made a way. He starts preaching about the resurrection, which you can't preach about the resurrection without preaching first of Christ's crucifixion. This was the Gospel message. To this day, His message at Mars Hill in Athens is considered a 
standard in, in communicating the gospel by uh, seminaries worldwide. And yet, we see what could be considered meager results. We read that when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, they mocked, scoffed. And we read that only some made the decision to follow Christ. And we're only noted two names. No church was established that we know of in Athens. And the results just might seem smaller than we expect. So what, what do we take from this? Because chances are, when we put ourselves out there to share Christ with a lost world around us, we very well may experience the same. Maybe you have. I'm sure many of us can share stories of times that we made the decision to share Christ with someone. and We were scoffed at. But we cannot let this discourage us. But Christ told His disciples in John 15, 20, he said, when you experience rejection, when they reject you, don't be discouraged because they rejected me first. What servant is greater than his master? Jesus experienced opposition and rejection. We can expect the same, but we cannot let this discourage us. There are souls at stake. It often can take a great amount of time and dedication, or even just one, to come Christ. It may take months, years and years of prayer and getting on your knees and lifting their soul up to the Savior and compassionately engaging them. We don't get angry at them. We don't allow ourselves to become indifferent towards the spiritual condition of the world around us. We engage. We go. We move into action. This is our commission. And if even one is saved, even one is saved, it's worth it. The parable of the, the shepherd leaves 99 to find the one. That is the Savior's heart. Let that be our heart. You know, when I was when I was in high school, I, I was the president of the Christian club. Uh, fish club is what it was called. I don't know if we have fish club here, here in Anchorage, but uh, the Christian club, I was about 16 years old, and uh, I remember I was reading a night before a, a fish club meeting. I was reading a, a passage from, from James, James 1.22, talking about not just being a hearer of the word, but also a doer of the word. And I was moved by that passage. I was like, man, I got I to gotta get out there. I, I can't just read it. I have to go do it. I have to go do something. And so what I, I, you know, I had led worship for, for a few years at the time, and so I decided I was going to get my guitar. I was going to go to uh, the, the public courtyard in my high school during lunchtime, and we were going we to worship. We were going to sing songs, 
And if, if anyone came and wanted to know what we were doing, it was going to be a great opportunity to share the gospel with the people I went to high school with. So we go out there. I get the, the you know, five or six of us. I'm like, guys, we're going outside. Um, stay with me. Stand strong. We're going to worship. It's going to be awesome. And we did. It was kind of raining. I mean, I don't know if it was, it was similar to what you see right now. And we're worshiping. We just start singing songs. There's no one around. This goes on for, you know, 25 minutes of, of the lunch period. And uh, we didn't get a whole lot of response. And I was, I was like, man, this is, this is kind of a bust. You know, I was feeling discouraged. And uh, just before lunch was about to end, fire alarm goes off. Kids, and I went to a big high school. There was like 3,000 kids in my high school. And so kids just flooding out of the doors. And we just kept on going. We were, just worship, we were just worshiping. The fire alarm's going off. There's kids flooding past us. And I remember someone actually threw a rock at me. They didn't hit me, which, you know, thank you, Lord, for not you know, giving them accuracy. But, uh, you know, I, I was like, man, that, that was a bummer. But uh, they got to see us worshiping the maker of heaven and earth. And we didn't get anyone asking us what we were doing or I didn't get the opportunity to share the gospel. And I was like, oh, well, I was feeling a little bummed because, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was raining. And we put ourselves out there, and we didn't get a whole lot to show for it. But later that day, I think I was at gym class, and a girl came up to me. Um, and she said, hey, were you the one out there who was uh, singing, singing worship songs? And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yes, someone... You know, someone who uh, I can encourage, you know, who maybe share the gospel with. And she basically, you know, she went on to tell me that she, she was really encouraged by that. And uh, she was, you know, she was actually a believer, I believe. But she was encouraged. And she may not have been if, uh, I, hadn't, if I hadn't put myself out there like that. So... Likewise, put yourself out there. You know, we, we prayed for that person. I don't know who you prayed for, but we, there's someone in your life who you can share Christ with. Go. So three takeaways. What do we take from this? First insight for sharing Christ with a crisis culture we looked at. Let your heart be moved to action. Well, we want our hearts to be broken for the unsaved. So ask God to break your heart for the unsaved if it is not already. If you're apathetic or indifferent, how can we care for a lost world around us? If you're frazzled and you take it personally then you're only going to feel like you need to attack people. And that is not our heart. That does not win souls for Christ. Ask God to break your heart for the unsaved around you. Secondly, know your message. Stay on message. Was our second insight. But do you know your message? And here's what I mean by this. We all have a story. How we came to know the Savior. 
our testimony. It's something that is a powerful witness. Because it can't be debated. They can't say, well, that, you know, he didn't do that for you. Well, they can say that, but he did. He did save me. He did change my life. I was lost and now I am found. If you haven't done this, I highly recommend it. Take some time. Write out your testimony. Memorize it. Be prepared. In season, out of season. No matter where you're at, be ready to share the gospel. Paul was waiting for his companions to start his ministry in Athens, as we read. But when he saw the condition, he said, I can't wait. Brothers and sisters, it cannot wait. We can't sit on it. So be ready when the opportune moment presents itself. And lastly, as we just talked about, don't give up when you experience opposition. It's going to come. We are all going to experience opposition as Christians at one point or another. Don't give up. Souls are at stake. When eternity is at stake, it is too, it's too important. It's too important to give up. We cannot, we cannot be content to stand idly or, or angrily by while, while the world deteriorates around us. While they head in the direction of hell. We know. We know that there is, there is a better way. We know. We know the Savior. So that is our commission. That is, that is what we are called to. We must go. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray that you would empower your people this morning. Encourage us to be not just hearers of your word, but doers. Take away any inhibitions, any anxieties that may be heavy on our hearts. Help us to be your witness in all the world, in our workplaces our schools, with our friends, with our families, when we're fishing, whenever. God, help us to go. It is not, it's not something we can wait on. The world needs you and needs your son. Help us. Help us to go. In Jesus' name.